We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in to the MPW Digital Post Game Show. I'm Chase Parm. I'll be here uh, navigating this with you for the uh, next little bit. Alabama knocks off. Ole Miss 32-24 today from Vaughn-Hemingway Stadium. The Rebels uh, had a double-digit lead at one point. They had the ball at the Alabama 15-yard line to win the game there at one point as uh, well there in the final minute. So a lot to talk about, a lot of missed chances for Ole Miss, a, uh, a lot of opportunities to win that game in the end, Alabama winning 32-24, Ole Miss falling to 8-2 on the season. That clinches the SEC West for LSU. Brian Kelly in his first season, he will take the Tigers to Atlanta to face the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, I guess the first week of December for uh, for that one. The Rebels, two games to go. They're in Fayetteville, who uh, was Arkansas with 13-10 loser to LSU today to uh, help LSU to that SEC West title. And then Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl, obviously, as well to wrap up the regular uh, the regular season. So, Again, a lot to get to. Uh, I'll tell you first, the podcast brought to you, um, or the, the post-game show brought to you by Dead Socks. If we're going to get to Jeffrey in a minute, we'll get to Neil. We'll do our uh, our normal show. We'll take your calls, and we'll talk about all of it here coming up. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Dead Soxie. They are our presenting sponsor. Before we uh, before we get going today, tell you about them. they got, they got some stuff going on. They've got a, uh, a pre-cyber sale coming. That is, uh, that is coming very, very soon. You can take advantage of that there with socks you can get 25 <clears throat> let's see you can you can uh you get 20 25 percent off any order using code rebel grove you know about that but if you spend 50 dollars or more you get free and get free shipping 30 percent off of any order over 120 40 percent off of any order over 240 if you really want to get stocked up stock your sock drawers and have a wonderful holiday season as always stay socksy there with them and then uh tell you something else they got going on that's pretty cool right now as they are just announcing an NIL deal with uh, with Ole Miss. Also, with that, they, uh, they're they announcing the next step after coming licensed with the university. Dead Soxie is extremely grateful for the opportunity to partner with the Grove Collective, creating unique student-athlete NIL creations that give back. Visit deadsoxie.com slash NIL 
to see which two collections drop first and gain access to those pre-sale opportunities. So again, do that there with Dead Soxie and the Grove Collective. Really appreciate Dead Soxie for uh, being our presenting sponsor of this here podcast. So we'll get into it a little bit again. Ole Miss uh, saved their comeback attempt, but really they had a uh, they, they had a double-digit lead. Ole Miss was playing well, and you really felt like, I'm going to call Jeffrey in a second, but just sort of opening it up, you felt like it was one of those deals where they probably need to be a little farther ahead there in that first half. A lot of opportunities for Ole Miss to extend that lead. Instead, when it was only right there, you thought, okay, this is still going to be a game. This is going to be one of those things. And then really the the, the play that turned the game was the, the Zach Evans fumble, a play that should have been targeting. Um, if you do that, Alabama does not score seven points right there. At worst, it's halftime, barring some other turnover or something on the next play. Instead of targeting, they um, it's a fumble. Alabama gets the ball right there. Frankly, the whistle stopped Alabama from scoring on the touchdown, so in some ways the tide got a break. Um, they go in, they get within three, they two for Ole Miss, they tie the game at 17, and it, it becomes a bit of a dogfight after that. So the number one play to me was that where if you get the targeting on Evans, it, uh, it moves Ole Miss down the field. They have a chance to extend. At worst, they would have gone into uh, gone into the break up 10 instead of three, and that really kind of changed the game the rest of the way. So that's uh, that's that. But we'll uh, we'll look at this, where Ole Miss goes from here and more. Again, we'll talk to Jeffrey. We'll talk to Neil. We will talk to uh, Brian. We'll look at stats. We'll just kind of hang out. Whatever you guys want to talk about, we will uh, we'll do that. But definitely, I'm sure for most of you, uh, pretty frustrating game. I thought that was interesting, Daniel. You know, I'm kind of all over the place, but he says Kiffin had a bad game. I wrote it in observations, and Neil and I were discussing it in the press box at one point. Lane seemed to coach differently today. Um, it seems like maybe against Alabama he coaches differently. Ole Miss, uh, a buddy sent me this text, and he's right, too. Ole Miss was, was good. I mean, Ole Miss is a good football team. They didn't necessarily need all the bells and whistles in some of those spots today. I thought that was... I thought that was potentially a, potentially an error as you look at it. Is they just there were several times where it took Ole Miss out of its rhythm and its flow offensively with some of the the gags and tricks and different things. The Wildcat really worked with Judkins. I mean, anything to do to get Quinshawn Judkins the ball is a uh, is a benefit and a, a a definite positive there. But but overall, I thought some of the the other things that were outside of just kind of running their offense was uh, a, a bit of a mistake. I thought that it it affected things in a in a negative way for Ole Miss today for the, uh, for the Northern. Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, play calling, not good in spots. I mean, that last, that last series there, there was nothing about that second down play where, you know, you've got, you've got Dart running the draw right there. I, I didn't like that call. There was, there was definitely some stuff. I thought it was a little different, uh, a little different today. Let's see. Hold on a second. We'll get Jeffrey on the line to, uh, to talk to him. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it is for the most part. I, I do. I think he's amped up. I mean, I think that's that that's the right way to put it. Um, it's one hundred percent probably what's 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 going on right there. Yeah, Citrus Bowl sounds probably right. You've got Tennessee, barring them losing again. That's two teams in the playoff. That's a Sugar Bowl. You can do more than that. It's not impossible for Ole Miss to get one of the other spots, but it it does become a little more complicated just doing the math. But maybe you guys have already done that. I haven't. I haven't gotten that far. That's not. That's not where I'm at right now with it. Good evening. 
Jeffrey Wright joining us now on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline. Jeffrey, so many things here, almost falling 30 to 24 here to Alabama in Oxford. And I'll kind of let you guide me a little bit because I got like 10 different things. But when you step back now, I guess 20, 25 minutes after this game ended, what what was the primary reason why Ole Miss did not win this football game? Okay, can you hear me now? I can hear you good. Okay. Um, so I think your question is, what was the difference? I was just when saying, back there's lots it. of different ways to go with this. I've got a lot of questions, but when you watch this or yeah. think about this now half hour after, what's the primary reason Ole Miss did not win the game? Um, I think the primary reason is probably Alabama adjusting to how Ole Miss was trying to start drives running the football in the second half. Um, if you want to go, like, key moment, I just uh, – it has to be the Zach Evans fumble, which was a fumble. I thought, weirdly, I thought the only chance they had to, for it not being a fumble was, I'm pretty certain, and again, this is me speculating, not reporting, I am pretty certain Zach Evans got concussed on that play. So I thought their only chance of having that not be a fumble was targeting. Yeah, sure, um, me too. And, it's, and as, as someone who hates the targeting rule in general, I guess I have to be on the other side of that. Um but really, in the second half, like, you know, it felt like Ole Miss was just consistently behind the chains, whereas in the first half, they really weren't. And, um, you know, Alabama dared them to throw the ball. And at times, the drives that I think were successful were the drives that they threw the ball pretty well. And then the drives that weren't successful were either they didn't throw the ball well or um, – you know, it, I've said, I, uh, you know, with all due respect to any parents that are listening, I consistently believe that this offensive line unit is wildly overrated. Um, and I believe that because you don't get paid in the NFL uh, to run block. I think you can kind of scheme up run blocking. Um, but the reality is, like, if you're going to be, if you're going to be this dominant offensive line, why do they not take over games? Because it feels like when they, even when they run the ball and take over the game, doesn't it feel like it's more of Judkins, Evans, or Scheme than it does just the holes that were opened? Yeah, it, it, it's that deal where it, 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 they, they couldn't take over the second half and they needed something to just even sustain some drives. It felt like they were scuffling a little bit on offense on always. Yeah, they were not throwing the balls down the field. And I thought. I didn't think Dart necessarily played bad, but I thought he was pretty average today. Even on some throws that he made, I thought that he was a little late where he cost some yards or he floated it or kind of did some things where he was affected by pressure or, or whatever or just didn't necessarily have the game. It put more emphasis on the run game, as you said. And, yeah, they couldn't just go. I mean, you know, Judkins broke a couple. They did some different things. And then in that second half, because it was, it was a weird momentum game for Ole Miss because – if you look straight from a stat standpoint, they probably should have been bigger ahead at halftime than they were. Evans, you definitely could have gotten the targeting call there. That would have taken seven off the board. There was lots of woulda, coulda, shouldas after dominating statistically there in the first half. And then in that second half, they bogged down. And I thought Alabama on offense really just almost kind of simplified thing and beat them with numbers. You know, Ole Miss opens up in that four-man front defensively, did a pretty good job early. 
switched back to the three-man front. And at that point, Alabama just sort of ran against the numbers. Then they started throwing on the clear-out routes, just kind of the ball in space at the second level, and really started moving it. And then when that was happening, Bryce Young takes over. He made a lot of plays. He's the best improvising guy in, the, in, in college football. It was one of those deals where even when the game closed, it just looked like Ole Miss got behind in momentum and rhythm and all these different things. And because they couldn't consistently run the football with that offensive line, it's kind of where I was going, they then lose the possessions, they lose series, Alabama gets the lead, and then you're kind of chasing your tail after that. Listen, I'm, uh, I don't want to ignore um, math, but didn't you find it a little bit ironic that the game script opened literally the exact same way as last year's game script, and Ole Miss yet again has an opportunity to get points on the board at the beginning, and then they don't? Like, you know, I understand maybe the the game maybe doesn't play out, script changes, whatnot. But what if Ole Miss had first and ten at the fourteen, and they just needed a field goal to tie? I mean, I get it. I I, I thought that the uh, false start was I, I a think bigger he, play so, there. So let me let me let me let me explain what 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 I mean by that. I don't know if the age old adage you don't beat Alabama kicking field goals. I don't know if that applies anymore. I think that, I think that might apply to Georgia. I don't know if that applies to Alabama because I'm not sure Alabama's that team anymore. You know what I mean? I, I think he coaches, I think he coaches this game. He's so hell bent on beating on, on beating Saban. that I think he loses his mind a little bit. Yeah, that's where I was going here is I thought Lane coached a weird game today, and he's done that against Alabama multiple times now. You know, he coached well against them when they were just really, really chasing there in 20. But the last two years, in different ways, he's done the same thing. He coached cute. He coached to, hey, I, you know, kind of frenetically. Yeah, if you take the points there, because Ole Miss was, it's a good football team. They played against Alabama pretty straight up. All that stuff wasn't required. I mean, they had the Dayton Wade pass that they were lucky wasn't picked off. It was just – it was basically a Hail Mary jump ball at that point. I thought that multiple times between play calling and the way he was calling the game, he harmed the team taking them out of rhythm at that point when they'd been better off just running and playing and being normal. Kick the field goal, run the ball, do whatever. Instead, there was multiple deals where he did something that negatively affected his team by, by trying to do too much. They could have just played football and won the football game today. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that was the case. I even thought on the last drive, like, you know, first and – here's my deal. First and 10 from the 14, I'm fine if you want to throw it on first down because statistically throwing it on first down is the best down to throw it on. But how do you have a miss – how do you have a – at that situation, how do you have miscommunication? Like, I think that's a problem. Like, you cannot – it's one thing to miss the throw. It's one thing to have the outside receiver breaking to the post and your quarterback feeling like he threw a good ball to the back pylon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I understand exactly what they were doing. But I think they went into the trap. After about the third or fourth time that Jackson faked the toss sweep and thinking there's no there's nobody in the middle, don't you have to tell them, hey man, that's what they want you to do? Like he just kept running into the defensive lineman 
because they were they were trying to make it look like, hey, we're vacating the middle. That's going to be open for you. But that's what that's what they wanted them to do. That's what they wanted Ole Miss to do. In hindsight, Ole Miss ran it one or two too many times trying to set up that pass that they eventually hit. They ended a couple drives trying to set up something for later. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I still think the bigger problem is, like, that's that's not, like, a new action that they've been running. Like, they've been running that 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 action. So, it's really, it's really just an option play. Like, you know, even when they fake it off the toss, there's a reason. The problem was he missed – I can't remember who the receiver was, but there was a receiver that was open at, like, the eight. And worst-case scenario, you know – even if he just catches it and goes down to the ground, well, now it's fourth and four instead of fourth and 16. Like, mm-hmm. I just felt like – I felt like you got to tell him at the sideline after they've stopped that play for, like, the seventh time in a row, hey, buddy, you're not really – the only time they were getting any yards off of it is like they got to the edge, and then half the time they were getting to the edge because there was a hole. Where did you see? But, I mean, the, real, the, the reality of the situation is, think of it this way. If you look at, like, yards per play, everything, like, this game was dead even. Like, I think it was, like, 4.6 to 5, and Ole Miss ran more plays. I mean, the reality of the situation is the points per opportunity. Alabama, every time they had to kick a field goal, they took it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Ole Miss, Ole Miss felt like that they were, like, five touchdown underdogs, when in reality – they were, you know, a 10-point dog at home. Well, and even beyond that, I thought – and I thought this way all week. I mean, I don't remember if we talked about this on Thursday or not. Is that I thought Ole Miss had to get points out of its script. I just thought that when you get the ball that first early on, get, get some points, do some things to get a lead, to give your guys some confidence, some momentum, all those different intangible crap that may or may not matter – and then it went so far reverse the other way because he did. He had a really good script again. He always does. Lane is a really, really good script guy. And he goes down. If you get the three, you steady your own team in a way. And I get they ended up scoring and they didn't get in the lead. But at that point, you're right. And kind of coming full circle here before we move on is that, yeah, this Alabama team does not score into the 40s every week. You, it, this was never going to be a track meet like Alabama and Tennessee. And when that's the case and your defense is showing a little early life, just get the freaking points and move on and see what's coming up later in the deal. It just – yeah, I, I just thought that – I just thought it was a weird game all the way around and that they definitely had a had a, had a net situation on – or a net negative situation on coaching decisions that could have uh, – that could have impacted the game. Like, I, I'm sure uh, if we look up – if we look up, uh, you know – decision EPA I'm going to I'm sure that the book's going to say he probably didn't screw up but at the same time like you know the book says to hit on 16 everybody doesn't hit on 16 you know what I mean well look you can't go 100% analytics I mean it depends on matchups and all kind of different stuff too and Lane has said that I mean it is a it's a complicated mixture and that's one of those mixtures where even if that's what the book said in some ways, and maybe my, this my, I guess my biggest my, my biggest deal is if if kicking field goals didn't matter, Bill Belichick would not have a kicker. You know what I mean? This is probably not fair, 
in some ways it felt like he was still coaching last year's game when he didn't get it, when he did, they had a very similar situation. He goes for it on fourth down and then Alabama just sort of trucks him from there. It almost felt like he was trying to right two wrongs a little bit, maybe completely unfair, but that in the moment, that's what I felt like. I felt like he, he, I felt like he coaches this game like it's his Super Bowl and he wants to beat the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess for me, the bigger issue was it was literally the exact same situation as last year. And you make the same decision. Okay, but like you can't, you know, I just felt like he coached this game. This game clearly meant more to him than other games, and that's fine. I understand that happens for a lot of coaches, but I think it cost them tonight. I guess that's how I bottom line it. And then let's not also let's also not neglect the obvious. Uh, the other deciding factor is, I mean, Bryce Young's numbers are not going to be overwhelming. But was there any question he was the best player on the field? No, I mean he's 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 phenomenal. He's phenomenal. I mean, how many? Some the of his most adds, impressive the throws through difficult yeah. lanes. I mean, he 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 won the football game for Alabama. There's no doubt about that. That touchdown throw where he made the little shimmy move, the little shimmy move with his shoulders, and then he just kind of like feathered the throw into the back corner to Brooks. I mean, I would love to say Ole Miss made a mistake there. They were in good position. Mm-hmm. And like, no, you know what I mean? Like they didn't, they didn't bust. Like, I don't know. Like I just, in the end, Ole Miss did not make enough plays, and the better quarterback was on the other end, and I'm very high on Jackson Dart. But I'm with you. I thought another big throw was, remember, he had he had Heath open. I can't remember if it was the drive before they punted or the drive before they went for it, and then Bama goes down and gets the field goal to make it six. But, you know, he had Heath wide open, and he just kind of one-hopped it. You know, that, it, if you're going to beat them, you got to make the throws. Bryce Young, 21 of 33, 209, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Jackson Dart, 18 of 31, 212, one touchdown, no picks. Yeah, I mean, I think they both finished getting sacked three times, but, like, it felt like Jackson maybe got out of, like, two sacks. It felt like Bryce got out of ten sacks. And maybe, again, I have no idea if there's numbers for that, but that's what it felt like watching the game. And it's where I wrote that Ole Miss had a lot of missed tackles in the middle of the game. It looked like they were tired, they were gassed, the running backs, the, the backup for Alabama whose name is slipping my mind right now, and then Bryce Young. McClellan. That, yeah, that, that they, slipped, they, they, they slipped out of trouble, they extended drives. Ole Miss had multiple chances to get off the field and just either had a bad angle or couldn't make a tackle to the ground. The defense was definitely struggling through there, and then when the offense sort of went into combustible different ways. But I guess my point is, I don't know, I don't know how much of that is Alabama and their playmakers because you do have to factor that in. Like how much is Bryce Young got out of those plays versus Ole Miss didn't make those plays. You know what I mean? And I, and hell, I don't know, I don't know what oh, percentage and, to do what to. Uh, I, I think that's more than fair, but I mean, like, I don't know. I felt like, I felt like in the second half. Like McClellan, they clearly made the decision. McClellan's their tough, their tough guy, and they were going to try to get tough yards. They didn't really care, you know. 
they weren't trying to hit home runs. I think they were trying to – I think they were thinking if we get four and a half, five yards of carry, we'll take that. But there was like a couple of possessions in that second half where didn't it feel like just instead of trying to tackle McClellan, they were just trying to strip him? And like he would just keep going. And like I know there was one run where he ends up getting a first down out of it because Ole Miss spent eight yards trying to strip the football. Yeah, he his his yards after contact numbers are going to be really good tomorrow simply because of that, where Ole Miss was not was not tackling effectively, trying to grab the ball, not rock, not lock, you know locking up all those different things. And then one thing that gets hidden, and it's been talked about in the stream song, is that. When you factor in the punting teams, Ole Miss was really bad punting the football. I mean, Fraser Mason oh, Day was I, was thirty three was thirty three yards on average through four punts. They did nothing to flip the field. They gave Alabama multiple short fields there to drive down and get into scoring position. It, the defense was not bad for a good part of the game, but they were completely behind the eight ball because of the punting unit. A, a really good punting performance, and that's probably a different game too. I feel like the same two flaws or the same flaws have hurt Ole Miss in both losses. Like, I I know the LSU game got out of hand, but think back to that possession where it started to get out of hand. Ole Miss couldn't get going on a drive. They stall out quickly, and then they had, you know, pardon my French, they had a shitty punt. Well, it felt like tonight, like I was telling Aaliyah this, I got no problem when he sends the kicker out. Like, to me, it's like, I feel good about that guy. When they send their putter out, I'm just like, they've got to figure out. Like, he is – have you ever seen a guy that – you know what it reminds me of? Actually, I guess I have seen a guy. My complaint about Will Gleason was I've never seen a rugby punter that gets the punt caught more. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hassan falls under that category. What is it, Masson? What's his name? Yeah, Mason. Mason, what? Yeah, Mason. Frazier Mason. Whatever. Uh, he's, he is in the Mason, Will Gleason Memorial. Yeah, he is in the Will Gleason Memorial rugby punter that gets caught. It's like, hey, dude, the point of the punt is to get the thing on the ground so it will roll and you can cover it and they can't return it. But otherwise, it was just like a bunch of, you know, 28 to 30 yard low line drive kicks. And Alabama's like, thank you very much. <sighs> What do you think they – what do you expect next week in Fayetteville? I don't know. That was such a – how much of that game did you get to watch? A a lot. I stood in the back of the press box and watched more than half of it. Because that was a strange game in this sense. Uh, Arkansas completely, like, flipped their script on what they do defensively. Like, did you see how many times they were just like – loading up and coming after him. And it was interesting to me in the sense that LSU was like, okay, well, we're just not going to take the shots and try to beat them and take advantage of that secondary. But, you know, I, I, you know, we can, we can say that the transitive property doesn't matter. Arkansas did lose to Liberty at home and Liberty lost to UConn today. Did, so yes. you know what I mean, like you know what I mean, like when everyone is trying to do the whole uh, oh Liberty, look at what they built. It's like maybe that says something more about Arkansas. It, it's both. Look, Arkansas played a bad football game against Liberty last week. 
they have severe issues that LSU didn't really take advantage of. You can throw on them. Now, Ole Miss has got to throw on them, but you can throw on them. They had a backup quarterback in today. And then from a Liberty standpoint, they won their Super Bowl last week, and there was no chance in hell they were getting up for UConn today. UConn's a little better, and Liberty still is not exactly chock full of FBS or, or Power 5 players. I mean, come on. No, and, and but the reality is Arkansas put up 10 points, and they got seven of them after LSU got that second score or to go up two scores and kind of sat back. Um, but, I mean, you know, I guess the question is, does KJ play? Because the reality is, if he doesn't play, like, if Ole Miss goes and scores three touchdowns, I think they'll win the game. I'm doing not really math. I'm kind of going through the stuff in my head. It would take – which I don't guess is, I guess it would be tennis, whatever. The SEC would have to get two teams into the playoff for Ole Miss to have a chance at an access bowl, right? Uh, yes, but they're going to be behind the eight ball because now Alabama is going to be ahead of them. Right. So Al, what you're saying is in your, in in your my scenario, world, Alabama, the SEC like, gets Georgia, two Tennessee. and Alabama. Well, no, because you got LSU too. Yeah, Citrus Bowl is the best they can do. Has the SEC ever gotten four in? Because I, I feel like they can manipulate that to where they don't want that to happen. To That's not too much money going to the one access place. Bowl. Yeah, I think they've only got. Now the question is, now the question is, has a ten and two SEC team ever not gotten SEC ever gotten an access bowl? Because I would venture to guess probably not. Well, the goal, the problem is, you got to be in the top eleven. Right. My question though, has a has a 10-2 and two SEC team ever not been top 11? No, but, I mean, Ole Miss is in a weird spot for that right now. I mean, I, to, I, mean, I guess you can make up ground. Other people are going to lose. I mean, I'm, I'm just doing the spitball off the top of my head. I feel, I feel confident in saying that if Ole Miss goes 9-3, and three, they are not getting an access bowl. I don't know if I – I would bet no. No, that's not doable. I would bet no on 10-2 and two because – I'm still not as convinced the SEC is getting two in like everybody else is. I'm actually – now, this Oregon game is kind of funny because right now uh, Washington is looking like they can move the ball on them. But I do think they positioned Oregon this week where um, I don't – even though Oregon got absolutely filleted by Georgia, I think they were positioning that if Oregon won out and won the league, that they could jump uh, – Tennessee. You're I mean, to only... me, Tennessee's, pa- Tennessee's path is Tennessee's path is TCU losing. Um, the uh, Oregon and USC losing a game each, and then I mean that's the other thing. You know, what are they going to do with if Michigan and Ohio State both have, you know, each if one of them goes undefeated and the other has one loss, what are they going to do there? That's the problem. Is it if you told me today that two a league got two teams in, I might lean Big 10. I think so too. Because you're all I mean, quest- just quickly, and I, and I get this is not I get this in the post game show, not even about Ole Miss. So I'll be fast here, but Georgia wins, they're in. 
But I don't think that helps Tennessee in some weird way. Isn't the only path to two, unless because LSU's not getting in with two losses, in my opinion, no matter what, even if they beat Georgia. So are uh, we sure? No, but isn't it a better chance that, that Tennessee and two Georgia losses? got in with one loss? Well, I think the path into two is LSU wins out and the SEC champion, and then Georgia gets in. I think twelve and zero Georgia. I think they're in the same spot they're in last year. I don't think it matters. Yeah. And you actually think no, Tennessee I understand. I think two loss SEC champion LSU is going to be a problem, and I know that wow. they'll point out that they lost to Tennessee, but I just do. I mean, that's just kind of like right now, that's kind of how I – but, like, I don't know. Here's the reality. They'll, they'll finagle it however they want to finagle it. I guess here, here's – more times than not, it really boils down to this. Who do you think are actually the four best teams? Because everyone tries to do resume too much. Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan – and, I mean, I guess Ohio State, but, hell, I don't know. I agree with you. I think Michigan's better than Ohio State. I, I think, think Ohio State's going to have the same problem. I think they're going to have the same problem they had last year. I think they're going to get bullied. Now, the question will be if uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I think is doing a Jamar Chase, but, like, a modified Jamar Chase, where I think he's only playing, like, the big games, uh, he does make their offense different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I I think if he made me bet, I'd say Ole Miss is Ole Miss is trending towards Orlando Citrus Bowl. Is it back to the Citrus? I don't know. Give yeah, me. whatever that whatever that bowl is called. I know what you mean. The Capital One Citrus Bowl yeah. or what? I don't know what the. The the once upon a time the artist formerly known as the Citrus Bowl that might actually be the Citrus Bowl again, which is not exactly a bad year. Uh, are you, who would not have taken that <laughs> before the year? I mean, look, nine and three is completely on schedule. Now Ole Miss needs to go win these last two games because it's against the team that lost to Liberty and Mississippi State. But I mean, no matter what, they have shown exactly what they needed to show in year in year three. Period. Part of the reason they lost. Part of the reason they lost tonight is they're a young, inexperienced team. I still contend that Jackson's having as good of a year as Matt had in his first year under Kiffin. So we'll go there for a second. What is Jackson Dart, in your opinion, next year? Uh, really freaking good. Oh, you think so? Arguably the best. Arguably the best quarterback in the league next year. I mean, let's see. Who would be better? Because Young's gone. Um, Hooker's gone. gone. I don't know. Does Stetson Bennett have a 10th year? He is done, I believe. Pretty sure, yeah. Rodgers is done, right? Rodgers technically has a year left. Does he really want to take it? I don't know. Well, I mean, what's he going to go do? Play? I mean, he's not going to play in the NFL. I mean, he doesn't have an arm. Um, Actually, Rodgers might have technically two years left for some reason. Uh, COVID, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, 
KJ has a year left, right? Yeah, but nah. I mean, limited as hell. Yeah, but KJ's also more limited because he's literally banged up. Now, the question is, how much of him being banged up is because they literally run him uh, like a rented mule? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, you're making your point. I mean, Richardson's gone. The kid at, yeah, sure. I, I, I kind of like that, that, that kid at A&M's. I'm interested about him, but, I mean, you know, that offense is still that offense. Um, I mean, who knows what Auburn does? I mean. Well, yeah, uh, we don't know if there's two transfers coming into the league or some shit like that. Correct. Taking that stuff out of of the equation. But, I mean. I guess here's a better question because I understand what you're saying. Where is he going to get better? What's it going to look like? Like, what is it that you go, oh, in year two, this is this? The same same things that Matt got better doing. You just get more comfortable and you you start reacting faster because part of the problem that we said today was, at times it felt like he was just like a beat too slow. You know what I mean? And so the more reps you get, the more comfortable you get. Because one thing that also gets left out of the equation with, with Jackson, especially compared to Matt, Jackson in high school and even at USC never played in this RPO heavy offense. He always played more in kind of an air raid type offense. And it's a very different offense. And the more he plays in it, the more he's going to get better. And, you know, he had one throw today that was kind of catastrophic, like could have been catastrophic. But I think Matt's year one under Kiffin, the highs were higher. But I think Jackson has been steadier under Kiffin Mm -hmm. in year one. Like in the end, Jackson did not make the throws to win, but Jackson also did not get them beat. There were multiple games for Matt that year that he got him beat. No, I look, I thought Jackson had some bad throws today. I thought he got kind of flustered by the pressure. But it wasn't like he was he was awful. He didn't suck today. No, he also made a couple of throws that like you know, he made a couple of really big throws to Malik. Like honestly, the the question that I would have, and I don't know if you could ask it on the record, because I'm sure you'd get a diplomatic answer. But behind the scenes, I'd like to know, you clearly went into the game trying to get these one-on-ones with Malik, and then it felt like in the second half you went away from it. Why did they go away from that? Because it felt like Malik, like the first quarter and a half, like I thought Malik was going to have the Mingo-type game. Yeah. And I had they finish? I had that a second ago. Let's see. Stats. Um, Ole Miss receiving Mingo seven for fifty nine, Heath for uh, six for one twenty three. And I felt like they targeted Mingo ten times and Heath eleven. How many did uh, I would have to? I want to kind of divide. I want to know. I bet Malik had at least four of his six catches in the first half. Yeah, yeah, I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah. I don't know they won in the second half. Let me see. How many plays did they run each half? First half, they ran 47. Second half, 34. There you go. Uh, That might have something to do with it because they just didn't run as many plays in the second half. Now, that's also partly because Alabama, Alabama held on to the ball more in the second half. 
What's your take on them? Alabama had it 17. I, I, I still feel confident what I said to you on Thursday. I just think them and Georgia have traded places. I think they're still a really good SEC team, but they're just not a great SEC team. And the question for me is, man, what is, what is their future? Because I, I, I get it. Um, it's probably not as hard to rebuild at Alabama as it is at other places. But let's talk about the rebuild that they would be looking at. At the minimum, you're getting a new offensive coordinator. Agreed? If not both. But I think yeah. at the minimum, you're getting a new offensive coordinator. Yes. Would you bet two new coordinators or one? I mean, you would have to set the over-under at one and a half. And I think but I Would you bet the over or the under? I think I would go over. I, I actually do. Think, I think they're going to replace both. Yeah. Um, so Bill Ryan and Pete Golding for anybody in the stream. So you're going to replace your quarterback. Um, you're replacing your best defensive player. You're replacing Toa Toa, who's your second or third best defensive player. I mean, you know, when you when you start going down the roster, this might be where Georgia and Georgia taking two or three guys a year has kind of caught up to them. And then Alabama is also in a little bit of an identity crisis. And I know that we've talked about it ad nauseum, but it does bear repeating. There's a reason why Nick Saban went nuts at that booster club meeting, because Alabama cannot be the, the biggest dog in the NIL world. This isn't the under the table world. Them and Auburn, I think, are and Clemson even. Like we're starting to see. Hey man, the rosters aren't nearly as good when when it's different than the, the under the table world. If Brian it's that they have some talent issues, they have some depth of talent issues, which is crazy about Alabama, but it's true when we're judging them by what the relative nature is. And Bryce Young is doing things. This George Rule said it in the stream. He is masking things to a level that is hard to comprehend because if he's not himself, I mean, they're they're five and five today, Jeffrey. Oh, it, think about this. If, if it's just an average Alabama quarterback who's not a Heisman contender from a mobility standpoint, they're five and five. He is better this year than he was last year. And he's not going to win the Heisman this year, which I think that's fair. To, the, to the stupidity of the world, the the award. But think about this: if they think about this, even if they don't have average, who is who's like Greg McElroy plus? Uh, I mean, I know. I, mean, I get that's the point. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Right, McCarron. You know, McCarron was a five star, but he's. You know what I mean? Like. If they have A.J. McCarron, they lose to Texas. Uh, they lose to it's Tennessee, Texas, obviously. It's Texas, A&M, and Ole Miss for sure. And then Arkansas would have given them a game, potentially. I, I, I think you can throw out A&M because they didn't play A&M with Bryce in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. A&M hung around in that game because Monroe was just terrible. Yeah, sure. Like, he turned it over like 15 times. Yeah. Um, so six and four, Ole Miss, Ole Miss and Texas. 
Ole Miss and Texas, yeah. And, and, you know, we're talking about eight and four. But if they don't have him against – if they don't have him against Tennessee, they would have gotten beat – they would have gotten their absolute doors blown off. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about like a 30-point loss at Tennessee if they don't have him. He's been awesome. And, I mean, like, to me, like, that's kind of – like we said, the numbers today are not overwhelming, but we we can nitpick. We can talk about Kiffin's decision making. The reality is, what we talked about on Thursday. You're like, you know, what makes you hesitant about Ole Miss? Well, did you didn't Will Anderson look a little better today than he had at other times? And Bryce Young was clearly the, the best player on the field. So they had, I think, the two best players on the field. The only person that I would listen to for an argument is Judkins, but certainly they had the best offensive player and the best defensive player. I think if you phrase it like that, would you, don't you say that's fair? Yeah, I think that's completely fair. I thought Ole Miss schemed around Anderson pretty well today for the most part. I, I, thought, I thought, thought that he could have hurt them a lot more had they not done some pretty good things from a play call standpoint to sort of negate him as much as you or mitigate him as much as you can. No, I, I totally agree, but he still got his. Because I, I, I agree with you. I think Ole Miss limited him, limited him as much as possible, but he still got his. Yeah. Uh, kind of last thing, Judkins, he goes over right. the 100-yard mark. He uh, scores a couple touchdowns. He now is the solo uh, record holder of season rushing touchdowns for Ole Miss with 15. He's pretty close to breaking the school record for rushing yards in the season. Barring something crazy, he will absolutely do that. They have three games remaining on the uh, on the year. Um, I, I, I don't – I mean, I'll be Wait. honest here, Jeffrey. Yeah, go ahead. They have three or two. Well, they have a bowl game. That counts in the stats. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, they have, yeah, they're going to play three more games this year. Um, we have nothing to really compare this to. He, he – it's not just the best season in Ole Miss history, but he's getting set up for – I mean things that I can't really that I can't really even quantify. I mean I, I don't I don't know what words to put on him at this point. I mean it's the only the only other tier he's in is Deuce McAllister. But his numbers are far better. Yeah, but that's also I mean I get it's uh, different how many t- two decades later, I understand that. Right, right. I don't want I do not want this to be a slight against uh, against Judkins, but how many times did Deuce McAllister run against a five-man box? I'm going to bet zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, Deuce was That's doing it point. against – and I'm not – you know what I mean? Like, it's just the nature of I mean, your, of your point game. is it's not, it's not comparable to sit there and go, okay, he had 1,200 rushing yards and he had 800 – you know, whatever. I mean, the hell with that. Correct. Like, num- numbers are not comparable. But here's what's undeniable. Deuce McAllister as a freshman running back was one of the best freshmen in the country – and Judkins is the same thing. And, I mean, Deuce is arguably one of the best offensive players the school's ever seen. He is going to be one hyped-up son of a gun in the offseason game in the next year. And if, if you're right and Dart takes that level of step with him in the backfield, I mean, you are talking about some insane offensive potential next year for that team if they find somebody to catch the football. If Ole Miss's transition year is nine and three, yeah. I mean, that's let's also not lose sight of like I understand 
hey, you know, you get caught up in a season, and, and that's what it means to be a fan. And we only have X amount of days on this planet, and that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. But, like, let's not lose sight of coming into this year. It was the transition year. Oh, look, and things change because of the way the league set, set out and the way the league has set up at this point. But, no, I mean, and this isn't, this isn't minimizing today or a loss or anything else. That's not my point. But everybody in this stream, for the most part, would have said, hey, nine and three, take your leave it. Yeah, absolutely. And you're three, move on. Good, cool. So the, the liquor store right by my house, the liquor store right by my house, uh, the guy that runs it is a big rebel. And I went at halftime to go stock up. And it was right after the, the fumble and the touchdown. But I go, if I would have given you 17-14 leading at the half, would you have taken it? He's like, hell yeah, I would have. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, I, I understand it's disappointing, the result. And, and that's the point of the sport. But, but Ole Miss did not get embarrassed today. Like, that's the other thing. We're kind of we're kind of nitpicking this game as if it was a blowout loss. They just lost they the, the football. To, they, they they simply lost a football game to a to a very talented football team. That's it. They had the ball. At the, they had the ball first and ten at the fourteen, down six. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. honestly, like, we really want one like, play, one the, throw, and we're doing a completely different damn show right now. That that la- there was a Judkins run, not the one that got him down to the fourteen, but there was like. One where he slipped right up the middle, and they got him at the very last second. It felt like if he breaks that one, it was the the typical Judkins inside zone for uh, a touchdown. But guess what? Alabama's got really good players. Yeah. But there's no question. Uh, what should definitely be the emphasis this offseason uh, – now, this is something I proposed to Neil, and I'll say it now because uh, we're at this point in the show. So my working theory is um, schemes trickle up. And what I mean, schemes trickle from high school to college, college to pro. Pro adopts a lot of different schemes because they're pros. They can, you know, they can do a smorgasbord a little bit easier. But in general, schemes tip, typically go, you know, bottom up. Player procurement or player selection, if you will, tends to go top down. So what gets emphasized um, in the NFL, particularly in the draft, it typically takes college four or five years beyond the obvious of quarterback and honestly even really just quarterback. But my working theory is the reason why Ole Miss has not – like Ole Miss had a lot of success under Freeze getting receivers because I think receivers were undervalued. And Ole Miss, could, Ole Miss could go and pay for the big receivers, but Ole Miss struck out pretty much on, on every big running back. Well, what you've seen flip in the NFL is – like look at how the NFL valued a Jamar Chase, how they valued – how they valued, uh, you know, receivers in general. Well, that's now getting to college, and I think the reason why Ole Miss was able to buy some running backs, but maybe struck out on the receiver front, is I think the value of the receiver went up in college, like it did in the NFL five years ago. Does that make sense? Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And again, that's a theory. That's, but I suspect that's the case. And now Ole Miss has got to find receivers next year. They lose all of them. Well, and in fairness, so does Alabama. Yeah. That's the scary thing. I mean, Mingo, Heath, uh, Watkins. But, I mean, they got to find – they got to find a true number one. Like, that's the other thing. Like, when you talk about why this offense maybe isn't as explosive as it was in years past, I think partly is breaking in a new quarterback that's getting used to a new system, but also there's not a true number one on this team. Yeah. Oh, last thing we do in Georgia State or Auburn A&M on TV one. Are you watching something Seattle? Are you watching Washington, Oregon? What are you doing? Uh, so right now, right now we have uh, State and Georgia, but if that game gets out of hand, I'll, I'll flip that quickly. Uh, I've got a, a spike bet pretty hard against Wake Forest. Um, so I'll be keeping a lot of eyes on that. I took Washington plus 13. The problem with that is I'm up 10 to 3 right now, but that literally could flip. And, like, Washington cannot – Washington can't stop anyone. And so mm-hmm. that game could flip very poorly quickly. Um, but also, I kind of – you know, I, I understand why TCU isn't favored – I also think TCU is a better football team than they're getting credit. Like, and I know that they're number four, but like, I think everyone just is expecting them to lose. I'm not convinced that that's going to happen. I'm not saying you would obviously be better off betting that they are going to lose, but I'm not convinced that they're for sure going to lose a game. Yeah, no, I, I completely get that. And somebody said this in the thread, look, everybody's tampering. Kentucky's really good at tampering in the other way. If you can get Barry and Brown, you find a way to tamper and get Barry and Brown. Oh my God! Yes, uh, I mean, or, you, or, uh, you, you figure that one well, out. Well, uh, speaking of TCU, is the uh, what year's the Johnston kid? I have no idea, but yes, is he NFL? If he's not NFL eligible, I don't care what it is. Go get him. Get Zach to go recruit him. Well, it's like somebody had a good point today. If you went, just put him on bidding. What's Harold Perkins worth in the open market? Uh well, cause he's a is he a true freshman or redshirt freshman? I think he's a true freshman, didn't he? I could be wrong. Well, but for the so sake of the I thought he was a, I, I thought he was a true freshman as well. Uh, a million plus, right? Because you get three years of him. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, have you seen he single handedly beat the last three teams they played? He single handedly beat them. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's insane. I mean, he, he had four he had four sacks and two forced fumbles today. Yes, and and they were they're they saying were the TCU like guys aware. projected to go top ten in the draft. Okay, so I didn't know if he had a year left, but I was like, if if uh, if oh no, he's clearly that's what I'm saying. The dude's a stud, so if you can go get him, go get him. But like, I didn't yeah. I didn't know if he had any eligibility left. Yeah. So anyway, all right, enjoyed it, bud. Appreciate it. All right, dude. All right, I haven't heard from Neil yet. We'll go to him whenever I uh, hear from him. He's still at the stadium. He is writing, getting stuff at, up at rebelgrove.com. I know Brian was at the game. He was uh, headed back to the house as well. So we'll uh, we'll get into that. I'll, tell you what, I'll open up the calls, though. If somebody wants to call in, they want to talk about something, I'll go ahead and get that going for a few minutes. We'll see if many of you guys want to chat, and we'll go from, uh, from there. 662 259 
888-7556 is the phone number. So if you call in, you got a topic, whatever you, you guys want to talk about, we'll do that for a few minutes and then get on with Neil and Brian from that point. So 662-259-7556 is the phone number. The line is open. I'm flipping back and forth between uh, Georgia and State and Auburn and Texas A&M. I'm more interested in Auburn and A&M. And then I need to go find Texas TCU just to put it in my rotation. We talked about this on the podcast the other day that I have – the way my Hulu is set up, it, it's, a little, it's a little cumbersome. I might be switching to YouTube TV at some point. Who do we have on the line? Uh, this is Will. Hey, Will. How are you? I'm okay. <laughs> a couple fair. calls went our way. It would have been different. That's fair. There is a good but, point of that. I mean, you're, you're one or two things away from a completely different show right now. I mean, just – Well, yeah. I mean, I, I understand your frustration because, I mean, even at the end, you get to throw into the end zone or whatever. But, I mean, I do – I firmly believe if that Evans play is turned into targeting, we're having a different call right now. So, I just – I was at the game, obviously, and I just saw Neil's tweet when I got home. Did it look like targeting on TV? Because I didn't see it. When I, when it happened, I didn't see that. In real time, I wasn't pl- looking for it. But, yes, when you just look at it on replay, which is what they're allowed to do, it, 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 it did. Yeah, it looked, like, it looked like targeting. So, if you do that, then you're talking about first and ten old Miss – at least going into the breakup 10-7, and frankly, you have a chance – I mean, 10 points, and then you have a chance to even extend it from there. Yeah. Yeah, and did they re- – do you know if they reviewed that play to see if there was a fumble or not? Uh, they did review the play to see if it was a fumble. It, it was a fumble. The, the fumble was completely correct. It's just whether – Well, yeah, my point is we were in a review already, and we couldn't, we couldn't call that. We couldn't say, hey, look, look. Yeah, that that's might look like targeting, you, you, right? You're there. allowed to review everything of a play. That definitely should have been called targeting at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I'm most upset about? What's that? Go ahead. Game day wasn't here, and we couldn't get off Arthur Neal. I mean, um, Chase Parham as the guest picker coming off that bus. Don't think that would probably be a great. good option, but you know, they, probably you know. Last would you time flown out of? Would you flown out of Jackson to Tupelo? Maybe you could have gotten to me. What's that? Would you've done like a flight from Jackson to Tupelo so they could get the wheels off that end too? Just simply to to give them the plane, the plane look. Yeah, or just ride around on the on the tarmac, you know. Anything for the uh, for the for, for the image. Yeah, of course. You know. Yeah. I, why do you was... stop feeding? Why do you think he stopped running the ball too? Because we got all the way down there. <sighs> He said that Judkins was gassed, and that was affecting play calling there toward the end of the game. Oh, okay, that yeah. makes more sense then. There was a couple of spots it where just... Judkins was trying to was trying to come out. I mean, that's the other problem with the with the targeting on Evans is that it caused what looked like a concussion or some sort of head injury. So if they don't right. target Evans, is also available at times when he needs a gas. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it, was, it was it was it was a multifaceted deal of how that affected things. Yeah, and the receiver getting tackled, running around—it was a painful night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was all the way. But around. I mean, I'm not complaining all on the officials. They—they they didn't play. The defense played okay, I thought. The defense played plenty well enough to win the football game. Yeah, it's because just frankly, Ole Miss should have been up more points at halftime, which would have given more cushion. And then look, this is 
this is the deal, too, where you do have to give the defense some credit. I wrote this at the end of my observations, is that given how Alabama had come back and Bryce Young was making things happen, they forced two field goals at very critical times to give the offense chances to go down and score a touchdown and win a football game. Right. I mean, they With did kind of come back and got the ball at the 50 both times. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I never want to see a QB draw again. I never want to see a, the QB draw again. It, it, it was just a painful night. It was. I understand that. Yeah. 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 Well, but anyway, thanks for taking my call, and you absolutely. have a good one. Thank you. Who's on one? Such a dog ass. You just Hello. absolutely how? Oh, Chase. Yes. Yep. Um. So I was wondering after that game, man. Did. Do you feel the same way? I I feel this way. Do you think Alabama? I I felt like Alabama wanted us to win that game for a while. Like I we had that game in our hands. I thought we sh- they wanted us to almost win that for a while. I thought they were twenty seven points. Twenty seven points. We couldn't at home score more than that. I felt like for a while there, it's like they wanted us to win that game. They were flat until Bryce sort of took over, and then once that happened, it um, it energized them. I thought they were they, they pepped up pretty well at that point. I, I, did you go to the game? I did not. I did not. I wanted to. The tickets were. Did you go to a party? A little bit expensive. I was at a party. Yeah. Okay. Sound like you had a few beers. I'm um, curious. Yeah, no. Um, just watching it, though, I I felt like we were in control of that game the whole time. The moment they got up on us, and I was like, "That's when I was like starting to freak out," because you know, it's it's. I thought, I thought, hey, we had that game. We had it. The whole, the, the momentum, like everything, the stadium. I, I, I hate to be like that, but I think um, some of those play calls there were like brutally bad. There were a couple. He, I think he for sure would, uh, would, would want over. What you did? Did you do? Uh, were you doing whiskey or beer? What were you doing that? I was just doing beer. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Craft or like just domestic? Um, I was doing a Kona. Have you ever had that, Kona? I have not. No. Where's it from? It's uh, from Hawaii, actually. They have them. Okay. I, I, I graduated from Ole Miss two years ago, but I, I go to law school up in uh, Jersey now, New Jersey. But they have it all around here on draft. It's huh. a great beer. Kona. Gotcha. Uh, Longboard. Um, it's really, it's like delicious, honestly. Okay. Well, appreciate it. Thanks I, for the call. I appreciate it. I got an alcohol recommendation before we left it. It's fine. What are you worried about? Who are we talking to? Hey, this is uh, Ford Nashville. 
Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm lovely. What'd you think? The Rebels played a great game, not going to lie. But, I mean, I see all over Twitter, everybody's, you know, complaining about the referee play. I think it went both ways the whole game. Like, we can't sit here and say that, you know, the referees weren't having, you know, weren't on the old Miss side. That's just that's not how the game went. You know, here, here's the thing with that. And, yeah, I'm not spending the entire show on refereeing. But what happened, and this is partly officiating's fault, and this is partly Ole Miss's fault for not capitalizing on things. Ole Miss had two breaks go their way tonight from an officiating standpoint. They didn't pick up the first down early in the game, and then the officials moved the sticks on, on that third down throw across the middle. And that did not turn into points, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think. And then two, when they got the break of the fumble recovery, um, that couldn't be returned for the touchdown after the Evans fumble, they didn't limit Alabama to a field goal. But beyond that, I mean, the number one officiating play of the game was the targeting on Evans and then the face mask on Dart early in the game that wasn't called. I guess my point is every time there was a break, nothing really changed from a, from a situation for Ole Miss when they got one versus every time Alabama got one, it seemed to turn into points or really change the tide of the game. Yeah, the momentum changed. Whenever anything went Alabama's way, the momentum changed. But sure. I feel like the momentum didn't change. When 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 the Rebels had something good go for them, nothing changed. The game went on. Sure, I had a good feeling about this game going until about the fourth quarter, and I was like, "Oh, oh crap!" You know, we are Ole Miss again, and you know that's how the final score ended up. And you know, we need to go into Arkansas and do the best we can, and you know, on to next year, I guess. What's what is successful for Ole Miss? Are you happy at nine and three, ten and two? Where you at? Ten and two for me. Okay. I think we, we I think we we uh win in Fayetteville next year or next weekend and then we beat the hell out of Mississippi State Thanksgiving Day. Okay. Well you heard it here first. That's right. Yeah. I know y'all are I know y'all are rooting. I know I know y'all think we're gonna win it all. Win out. Uh I think they're gonna win out. I do, yeah. I, th- I think they're going to beat Arkansas and Mississippi State. 100%. Yeah, I do. I mean, I I get fake. I, I get Fayetteville's been weird to Ole Miss. I get Fayetteville's weird in general. It's been cold, all that stuff. But, I mean, Arkansas has just not played very good football lately for four quarters. And when they do, they still have lost games. Do we think KJ plays next weekend? I have no idea. I mean, there's some stuff going around today that it was injury and potentially, like, not really holdout related, but that he was frustrated by some NIL stuff, that there's multiple levels to it. Is that true? I have no idea before somebody starts quoting me reporting, but somebody did tell me that that would have some knowledge of the situation today. Interesting. One more yeah. question for you, and sure. I'll, I know you got more colors. Do you think this affects Kiffin staying at Ole Miss? Not in any way whatsoever, no. 100%, no. I don't. I, I don't think it has any impact at all. What have you heard from Auburn, from the message boards on Auburn and our message boards? I feel like it's kind of chilled out the last few days. It's too early. The Auburn I talk. think everybody knows it's not a very good fit, and everybody's just waiting to see if Auburn does something really, really, really dumb with any kind of contract offer from a from a monetary standpoint. But the way I felt about this the whole time is that 
in a lot of ways, coaching searches have like this big buzz immediately. And then it sort of actually gets broken down into the actual search. And when that happens, things aren't very quick. Things are much more methodical. And then a lot of times, and frankly, this is one of the reasons why my my guess is that Lane Kiffin is, is not going to Auburn, is that the original candidate that's so hot very rarely gets the damn job when a search goes a month or longer. It just doesn't happen. That's not typically yeah, how this works. And I mean, Lane Lane would be an idiot not to take a ten-year, hundred million-dollar contract. Well, yeah, if somebody wants to just throw stupid money, all bets are off. But otherwise, it's not a, it's not a good fit for Ole, I mean, for, for for Lane. I mean, Ole, Ole Miss is a better fit than Auburn for Lane Kiffin right now. How much How much money does Auburn still owe Harson? It was like fifteen, seventeen million, something like that, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. All They're right. Still paying the okay, guy Yeah. Yep. Thanks. Hey. Neil is about ready, so I will uh, call him in a second. Give him a chance to get set up somewhere. So what is going on with State? Okay, 16 on Parson. Thanks, Max F. That was a great exchange in the stream, by the way. Y'all made my day. All right, I'll take this call, and then I'll call Neil. Who's in line? Bennett and Oxford. Hey, Bennett. How are you? Uh, drunk and pissed off, but uh, that's just a... What are, you, uh, what are you pissed off about? Well, that game, I was there. I paid $450 for my tickets just to watch uh, SEC refs either be that incompetent or that biased. One of the two. I ain't going to say which one, but, you know, it was one of the two. Okay. That's fair. What else do you think? Well, I think that, well, yeah, we have some blame in this, that there was no doubt that they impacted the game in Bama's favor in a lot of ways. I mean, there was blatantly miscalls. It was blatantly miscalls, and I just wonder why we haven't changed this to a professional refereeing crew, like paid full-time. Well, I mean, NFL referees aren't even necessarily full-time. Why didn't have jobs, too? But, um... I almost wonder if it's not even that as much as there just literally aren't enough that are doing it. I mean, I guess you could pay enough and whatever, but you would have to have a lot more people actually go into that profession. You know what I mean? That's not an immediate fix. I mean, there's not like this level of refereeing that suddenly you go take their referees and you've got much better officiating. No, that's fair. But I also like another solution. If we can't do professional refereeing is you make sure that uh, none of the referees are from either state that, either team's playing in. Because I think pool. it's only, I think the rule is only graduated from, I think. It might be hometown, yeah. but I think it's graduated from. And I think that you need to expand that to be just from their state in general. I mean, we don't know. We know a lot of these refs are from Alabama, and I'm not going to say anything without evidence that they're cheating or being paid off. But you can't, but they're that's evidently open to bias affecting sure. their judgment. Well, I mean, if nothing else, it's perceived bias that has become very clear. I mean, I, in a lot of ways, I think that's what happens with Alabama and holding penalties over the years is that Alabama is known as this machine. So a lot of officials go, oh, well, it couldn't be holding on them. And I think there needs to be something done. Now, I'm, I doubt that some bitch 
uh, Greg Sankey will do anything. He hasn't done anything. I don't know why he hasn't done nothing. He claims to be wanting to fix this conference and wanting to move it forward, but that's just one very major issue. He hasn't done anything to fix. Sure. And he talks about wanting to make targeting a more called more enforced, but when that, when it happens to Zach Evans and it benefits Alabama, it's not called. Especially when it goes to a review and you could have called it on a review. That's what gets yeah, me. I mean, I'll even give more passes on things live, but when you already were going to a review anyway, and it's still not called, that's that's where it's 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 it, it's it, that that just can't happen. And I think if there's a play, if there's a penalty called, like we saw in this game, where a flag is thrown, it can't just be one guy says no, didn't happen. Mm-hmm. We saw it happen. It should have been looked at. If there's a disagreement between the refs, I know it'll slow the game down, but it should be looked at further if there's disagreement it shouldn't just be one person's call and a quick discussion it should be looked at it should be shown there just needs to be something to show that it's being the game's being called fairly and it very well could be that the refs thought what they were doing was right but it it doesn't seem like it and that's problem. Yeah, I mean, look, perception is is a problem as much as no matter what the reason is. I mean, if it's if it's what's showing up and it's what it looks like to reasonable people, then you have a problem no matter what the actual cause is. Hundred percent. I mean, I think the last few years in American society have proven that perception, despite mm. whatever reality is, is way more important to what happens, right, and what is believed. And I think that's just something we need to. We need to at least make it open. I mean, I think that's what our whole like society is built off of, and I ain't saying that we need to, you know, apply that to every aspect of life. But I think definitely think if you want to take one thing from how this whole country was built, it's openness of authority. And I think that's just a good thing in general. We need to look at doing that with our officiating overall. There's a lot of things that we could apply that to, but I think that's one that definitely needs to happen. Just so it at least looks or is hopefully legitimate and not biased. Yeah. Well, it's one of the dumb things I'm, I'm from for me. I've never understood it at all the levels where this is a rule, why coaches or anyone you can't criticize officiating. Like, what makes them off limits if they screwed up? There should be a pool. Mm-hmm. There should be a pool reporter talking to an official after every game to explain calls. Why not? What is it about them that they get the golden parachute? I mean, they're human. Nobody's trying to execute them. Well, I mean, I was very drunk and angry and did say I would kill those motherfuckers. That's another thing entirely. That was just a very drunk, angry man in the middle of a heated moment. But uh, (laughs) uh, having calmed down a little bit, I just think the problem is that there's nothing that makes them accountable. There's nothing that keeps the system open. Well, no, like they're doing a bunch of different things to even like grade them and check them differently this year. I remember when that went into effect, but there still is no actual public course to it at all. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. Openness to, I just want openness and I want the ability for stuff to be challenged like that, even post game. And I know it won't change out. It doesn't even have to change the outcome of the game. It doesn't have to invalidate a game. But it just should just be out there. Yeah. Well, but anyway, those are just my thoughts. Um, you have a good night. Uh, yep. 
hope everyone out there has a good night, no matter who you're rooting for. Uh, take, a, take a game changer. Basically with y'all. And I appreciate it. Thanks. Will do. Yeah, we need to. I've, I've got the QR code up to go to our podcast page. I think we might need to talk to him and get some get get get, get the game changer patch uh, QR code put up. I think that would that would be beneficial for uh, for some of our callers at times. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Mr. McCready, how was uh, what was Lane Kiffin after the game? Let me get out of here real quick. No problem. Neil sounds like he is in the press box, so he is moving somewhere. Yeah, I'm getting. I was in the press box. I was getting into visiting. Uh, looking for a place to get. Um, here, this is for you. He was he was short. Um, was frustrated. You know, he's not. Uh, He's not the one to claim anything resembling a moral victory. It was a game that I think he thought they should have won. A game that he was very frustrated about that they didn't win. Uh, I know you don't have an answer to this. Was it concussion or other head injury for Zach Evans? Um, Lane referred to it as a concussion. 
it's my understanding that he was basically knocked out at that point. It's the callers, the stream, I mean, considering how that game went, pretty reasonable. I mean, we're just kind of having conversations. It hasn't been overly whatever. But that was a strange game because, I mean, I sat through the first half with you. Ole Miss probably should have been up more points than they were given the statistical advantage that they had. They hit a lull. Alabama found some momentum. And just straight from an Ole Miss thing, and this isn't even necessarily doing the entire officiating conversation, but if you get targeting right there, you're at least up 10. You might be up 13 or 17 at the break. And from a one-play sure. standpoint, it changed literally everything. Yeah, I can't argue that at all, no doubt. Um, and I still haven't seen a replay. I'm told by people that have that it was definitely targeting. I haven't seen it. Um, but, yeah, you know, that gets called targeting, and obviously it's not a fumble anymore. And uh, it's a 15-yard penalty. I don't know who would have been ejected from the game. But even if you just leave it at 17-7 to instead of 17-14, to um, it, it's a you know it's a different game going into the second half. I wrote about this a minute ago. On the other side, and the part that you know you do have to address is that yet again, in a second half, Ole Miss kind of went anemic a little bit on offense. They they had they didn't get the ball a lot because Alabama had four scoring drives in the second half. Three were field goals, but they ate clock. They, they kept Ole Miss's offense off the field. Ole Miss basically had one third-quarter possession. It was a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then in the fourth quarter, they had, you know, three possessions that came up empty, including the one down at the at the end that everyone will talk a lot about. But they don't talk about the three and out that resulted in a punt. Um, and then they don't talk about the drive that went from the 23 to the Alabama 41, I think, before it stalled. And uh, Ole Miss went forward on fourth and six or fourth and eight. And, and um, Dallas – Turner stopped uh, Jackson Dart for no gain to give Alabama the ball back, and they drove and got a field goal with two whatever it was to go and then set up Ole Miss's final drive. You know, there was – got to talk about those two things too because those two things have been kind of constant a little bit with this team. Is in the half, the defense has a hard time getting off the field, and in the second half, the offense has a hard time scoring. It's happened kind of all year long, and it happened again tonight, but you know, I know we're going to talk about officiating all week, and I think we should talk about officiating all week. I just think it's important to talk about the other stuff, too, because there were there were some opportunities that were left on the field that, you know, were the difference between winning and losing. I saw that it was just in reference in the stream at one point. What did Lane say about adjusting play calling because of, because of Judkins? Yeah, well, Quinchon was tired. Obviously, and on that drive, he had a, what, a 34, 35-yard drive. He caught a pass for, I don't know the exact numbers, Chase, six, seven yards. The other 15-yard run, I think he had a three-yard catch. I mean, he was getting used. And, you know, Bentley played like one play, um, you know, trick play they tried to run early in the game. Um, you know, Evans was out. You know, they got a little thin. Quinshawn's they have really, really leaned on him. I think he was spent on it late in the game, and they were just, you know, they got it down to that spot, first and 10 at the 14, and they basically called a fade to Heath, and Heath felt outside and cut it inside, and he and Jackson Dart were 
trying to make a play somehow. It's not scripted. So it's so it's it's easy to question the play calling, right? Why don't you give it to Judkins on first down? Well, because they were they were trying to give him a blow. And they thought they had a play they could go hit. They they thought they had a touchdown. And um and they might know, have. didn't work. And they might have, you know, but it didn't work and then now you're second and ten and if there's one play that you can go, hey that's a play you should have found a way to get him the ball. Okay. Um, you know but he'd come off the field, and so they were trying to run their tempo and all that stuff. It just, you know, you know the rest. I mean, he, Judkins made two or three great plays on that drive to get them in position to win the game, and like Lane said, the difference between winning and losing sometimes is just making a play, and they didn't. It was evident early, I think, um, and I, I gave you credit for it. We were sitting in the press box. You mentioned that it looks like Lane calls these games different than anybody else at Ole Miss plays. I mean, he obviously wants the Alabama game. That's no secret. He wants to beat Saban more than he does any other coach that he that he faces. It felt like it was very obvious in the first half that play calling was weird. They were pressing at a time when they were just kind of the better team or at least the more energetic team or – on, on equal footing where you didn't need all that crap. I did think it finally settled in after that, but I, I, it felt like multiple times he got them out of rhythm himself or Weiss or whoever's calling plays just because of some of the things they did gimmicky that weren't necessary. They were, they were a better team when they just ran their own. I agree completely. I didn't understand the need for some of the tricks and stuff. I mean, you didn't need it. Um, you, were, you were moving the football. They won basically every statistical category. You were moving the football. Um, Alabama was on its heels a little bit. Frankly, they looked a little flat for a while. Um, you know, that Arkansas-LSU game ended. We talked all week, you know, you and me about, you know, on the podcast, about, you know, if they announced that Arkansas wins, it's going to change the game. And I kept saying, okay, well, what if they announced that Arkansas loses? Mm-hmm. What if they announced that LSU wins? You know, for, for Alabama, that's it. It's curtains. You are done. And so when this game kicked off today, the game in Fayetteville had been over for, I don't know, 20, 25, 30 minutes. Alabama had, had plenty of time to absorb the fact that LSU, either LSU or Ole Miss was winning the West. They weren't. And I thought that, I thought it reflected in their play kind of throughout the night. I thought they were a little flat. And Ole Miss did some just goofy stuff to kind of take the ball out of their hands a little bit. And I don't know, you know, you would have liked to have seen them just kind of just just do your thing. But um, it's easy to second guess a lot of that stuff. I mean, the, the, like you said, the targeting calls or lack thereof was really big. Um, you know, there, there were other plays throughout. I mean, there's. 
holding call on Jordan Watkins is mind-boggling. Um, he got out Jordan, physical he, and got called for holding. If anything, he, he was getting bulldozed and he just sort of grabbed to protect himself. I mean, that was that was not a play. It was not a block, obviously, that sprung and dart for you on an 11-yard run. And that's, that's insanity. Look, I mean, it's that. And that's just my point. It's I was talking to Jeffrey about this. Ole Miss caught two officiating breaks in the game. They caught a break on the third down that would have been a fourth down, but they got the first down on the spot early in the game. And I don't think it even led to points. It did nothing for Ole Miss. And then the fact that technically Alabama didn't score the touchdown on the fumble after what should have been a targeting. They had to run out the rest of the series, and they – they scored with eight seconds left, although, frankly, the break might have been the other way because you had the ball with time to go down and maybe try to do something before the half. Hell, I don't know. But you get Watkins on that play. You get the Evans thing. And then on the, I think it's the second-to-last series of the game, Moscona, of all people, even picked this out, is Dallas Turner shoves Jackson Dart's head into the ground to get up after yeah, the play is over. It would have been first down Ole Miss inside the 30. And instead, it's change of possession after Ole Miss didn't get it on fourth down. I mean, holy yeah, fuck. Yeah, I, I, I saw that replay. Yeah, no, I mean, look. Or the face the mask early in the game when Ole Miss scored anyway, so we're not talking about it because it didn't matter. But, right. I mean, that was – frankly, that was more more obvious than Mathers in 2014. Yeah, I mean, was, I mean you and I both have binoculars on it. I mean, we were like, oh, it's face mask. I mean, it was a personal title face mask. Like you said, it didn't matter because they scored. So, you know, that one becomes inconsequential. What I was going to say was, you know, I mean, I've been pretty consistent over the years. I mean, I'll try to kind of defend the league, but I don't want to be a conspiracy conspiracy person. But honestly, today, and again, look, Ole Miss did not lose this game strictly because of officiating. That that is just a fact. Um, They just didn't. But today there were some weird things that happened in the league that make you wonder, that make you, you know, I I tweeted this. The league hates it when people say that the league protects its brands. Today the league kind of protected some brands. Um, I don't know that it would have mattered. In fact, I'm fairly sure that it wouldn't have. But that, you know, spot in the uh, Arkansas-LSU game, fourth quarter, where the Arkansas corner makes a good tackle there. And the ball never gets to the yard that they had to get it to. I think it was to get to the 22. It never got there. It got to the 21. Well, instead of punting right there, and Arkansas would have had the football with four minutes and a couple of timeouts, and who knows, right? And maybe they don't do anything. Maybe they drive and get a field goal and force overtime. Maybe they go win the game, and it changes the entire landscape of the day. But instead, even after review, when everyone in the world can see that it's not a first down, they just call it a first down. And LSU wins the game. And, again, I think LSU was going to win the game anyway because Arkansas could not block Perkins. And without KJ Jefferson out there, they were pretty anemic. But regardless, it looks weird. Like, Pittman just lost his mind. And I didn't blame him. We were sitting in the press box watching at the time. Like, what do you – how do you justify that? And he, he asked that question. Blaine asked that question on the field several times tonight, asking an official, why are you missing this over and over, the pass interference that didn't get called. He was very upset about that early in the game. Um, Look, I can't sit here and tell you that there is a conspiracy. and I I would prefer to believe that there's not. 
Because if there is one, the shit's not very fun to cover and, and, and watch anymore. No, right. So I prefer that it's I prefer that it's not. But today is not a good day for the league. And it's where there's fan frustration, I understand it, because the point is, yes, Ole Miss didn't just lose because of officiating. But if it's just called normally, shit, Ole Miss didn't have to do as much to win. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, hell, I mean. Sure. So it's kind of like going, well, if you just scored every time you have the ball, well, you'd win the game. Well, okay, but great. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, it was – Look, I've been doing this for a long time. You don't hear me say this very often. It's very impactful today in a negative way for all this. No question. No question. And when you see it happen, like, just kind of hours after what happened in Fayetteville, you can't help but wonder. It's kind of like, hey, we can't have Alabama here. Let's make sure we have one of the big brands. Um, it, it, look, keep this in context, people, because I know you're drinking and frustrated right now. The good news to this, or at, at least what would be even worse, is had Arkansas won a football game. Had, oh, had yeah. Ole Miss been able to yeah. win out and go, and then that same shit happened the same way, it would be a completely different story we're having right now. Well, yeah, Arkansas won the game in Fayetteville today. We'd be having a different conversation right now about all that was lost. But, you know, as it was, Lane Tiffin talked a lot about what was lost. He didn't dive into it, but to your home street, this was an incredible atmosphere today. I mean, this is, today, frankly, was not as good as this place can be. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean, it was special. Um, it was full. It was loud. It was rowdy. It was perfect. The weather was great. They did. It was full early. I you mean, know, it was full with like twenty-five to kick. Yeah, I mean, on a cold day, when I mean, man, it would have been kind of easy to go. Hey, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stay home and um, you know put a blanket on and, and pour a pour a bourbon into a glass and, and, and watch this on TV. People showed up and they were loud and they were. I thought the crowd was impactful. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a, a big opportunity for them. And, and now, you know, you've got two games in the next 11 days that don't have the same attachment to it. And it's going to be difficult because I think they were – I think they went into this week feeling like they were going to beat Alabama. I think they viewed it as an opportunity to sort of put a, a nail into the, uh, into the dynasty – and um, to kind of make a step up as a program and to stay alive. And, and obviously at some point, whether it was from Arkansas or Texas A&M, they were going to have to have some help. But I think they wanted to certainly extend it and be able to start making that argument for why they might belong in the playoff. And now all that stuff is gone. And so, you know, bouncing back from that is going to be quite a, uh, quite a task, I suspect. Arkansas is going to, I mean, we'll talk about this all week. I don't want to spend long on it, but Arkansas is going to have their own task. You've got K.J. Jefferson going with whatever the world is going on there. You've got them falling to Liberty last week, LSU, where they expended a ton of energy in a really physical football game. I mean, Ole Miss has got to get on up in their own way, but Arkansas has kind of got to get up too. I mean, that this season has not been anywhere near what Sam Pittman thought was potentially possible there in Fayetteville. Oh, no, absolutely. And you see, um, you know, you saw today the way that they were able to play defensively against LSU. You know, that's, that's, it begs the question up there, 
where's that defense have sort of been all year? That's three halves in a row where they've played really good defense. They, they shut out Liberty in the second half, and, and then, you know, they, they had a very respectable effort defensively today against LSU. Frankly, if their offense does anything, they win the game because they, the defense gave them plenty of opportunities in the first half to, you know, build a, a double-digit lead. And in and, and, and those conditions up there, LSU was not going to be – LSU was going to have a hard time coming back if they'd gotten down to – and ten points, but no, to your point, you're exactly right. We'll talk about it all week, I guess. But you know, they'll. I think Jefferson will be back next week. I think that that was part of the decision was to get you know a week off to let him be healthy for the stretch run. And um, obviously, the Ole Miss game is a big one for him, being from Sardis and wanting to go to Ole Miss, coming out of high school and stuff like that. But um, you know, maybe they feel like they figured something out defensively. Um, but yeah, no, they're they're five and five now. I mean, their their best chance is you know a, a one more win, whether it's Ole Miss or Missouri or whatever, and you know going to a lower tier bowl. This is not what they had in mind, and they have an off season coming up, obviously, where there's probably going to be some change in their coaching staff and things of that nature. But you know the advantage they have next week is they'll be at home. It'll be senior day, and it'll be at night, and it'll be cold and some jokes all week. We'll make fun of Kentucky. Get Congratulate Clark Lee on getting his, his win for Vanderbilt. We watched the end of it there in the press box. But beyond that, quickly, what's happened to Kentucky? I mean, like, does this – they've been a pretty consistent program. They've fallen completely off the table since they left Oxford down to losing to Vanderbilt today with a Levis who played fairly well. They just lost. So you've got Levis and Rodriguez, and you still lose to the Commodores in a game where you were pretty listless, does this change potentially what we see about Kentucky or Mark Stoops or even what Stoops could be thinking moving yeah. forward? Yeah, I mean, so people, people love to – it's going to be – people are irritated right now. I'm about to really piss them off. Um, people love to take shots at the media about this Will Levis thing. I'm not going to say the name, but I mentioned his name to you earlier today, so you probably will immediately remember and know who I'm referring to, okay? Yeah, sure. A long-time a long time NFL person I spoke to today who was at the game was talking about um, – we were actually talking about the situation at Auburn and Mark Stoops and his potential candidacy at Auburn, and he was talking about how it's probably time for Stoops to get out because he's – got, in his words, potentially the number one pick in the draft at quarterback. And I looked at him like, still? And he goes, oh, yeah. I mean, NFL loves him. This is a team, their franchise is not drafting quarterback first round, so he's not dialed in to to Levis. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I mean, this is, if I said his name, people would be like, oh, shit, it's a respected name in NFL circles. And um, he was talking about that with Levis, but it, to his point, was you know it's just hard. Kentucky's a hard job. The, the passion's not there for football the way that it is for basketball, compared to the rest of the league. And his point was, 
Georgia's going to be dominant, and Tennessee's about to make a move to get back closer to their, you know, preferred status in, in the division. It just gets harder and harder and harder. And this was before they lost to Vanderbilt today. So, I mean, the loss to Vanderbilt today will absolutely mean a shakeup there. Not at the top. Stoops isn't getting fired. But it'll mean coaching staff changes at a minimum. And it certainly, for, for uh, Mark Stoops, you know, look, if he wanted the Auburn job, and I don't know whether he did or didn't, whether he could get it or not, but today didn't go well for him. I mean, today was was not, um, you know, ideal. He would have, he would like to keep winning and put himself in a position, but now, you know, that losing to Vanderbilt, who had not won an SEC game in more than a thousand days. Um, 26 in a row. It's going to be difficult to, to overcome. And in all seriousness, um, congratulations to Clark and Lee and Vanderbilt. The fact that they just kind of kept plugging away and got one um, after a very disappointing game last week against the South Carolina team. I know internally they, they felt like they had a chance to be to come back a week later, go to Lexington, and pull it off. It has to feel awfully good for that program. Um, Cadillac's got his team playing hard again tonight. 7 nothing well, Tigers over the Aggies. I mean, A-Chain's not playing. Um, several A&M players have qualities, in quote. That, that deal's off the rails. I mean, they're, they're, they're going four and eight. And, and the, I mean, we're giving them the fourth. I assume they beat UMass. They might not. <laughs> I mean, I'll give them that one. But... Come on. So I mean, yeah. yeah. That's about as far as I'll go. They're not beating LSU. Yeah. Um, that, that deal's that deal's a disaster. I'm, I'm gonna tell you now, that deal is so disastrous that I can't help but wonder here in the next two weeks if some people go. All right, well, how hard would it be to put together eighty-five million dollars? Well, at some point, you at least have the conversation. If tonight goes badly for them at Auburn, um, to come. Look, they're four. If they go four and eight, one and seven, and the one that they got was by the width of a top of a football, I mean, you realize how close they go to going winless in the SEC with that recruiting budget? Mm-hmm. I know. Well, not to mention the dysfunction inside your program because of the, the kids that you recruited, and that's what they roll out there, guys who've never lost and have been the best players in the country. Well, suddenly, it's just going yeah, to the portal and all that crap. Yeah, you're putting that product on the on the field, and um, in a league that just continues to get harder. Yeah, so we'll see. No, your voice is gone. Uh, take care of it. We have a week of podcast starting in under 48 hours, well under 48 hours, 36 hours, something like that. At this uh, at this point, for a full slate, but uh, appreciate it. What do you have up at the uh, at the site? Before I let you go. I've got a story um, with notes, and then I also wrote a column. Pretty interesting uh, few quotes from Lane Kiffin where he talks about this being a game they'll remember for the rest of their lives for the opportunity that was lost. And one of the younger reporters at the end kept pressing, you know, this is not something people do. And I'm, I'm not thinking. They press positives. And, you know, you, you had success running the football. You know, can you talk about that? And, and Lane. I think the exact words were, look, 
I don't give a shit about how many yards we had. You know, it's about winning. We didn't win. We didn't finish. We didn't win. Um, not here for moral victories. I've said that. Not here to cover the spread. Um, we came here tonight to beat Alabama, and we didn't. That was it. I mean, if you want to glimpse into their program, that's it. That's, that's who he is. I mean, he's a – there's two results at the end of the day. There's a win and a loss. He said, you know, he went 0-1 today. I mean, you know, he was asked about the program stuff, and he was like, you know, you don't revamp the program because you lost this game. I mean, you got to make one more play. Mm-hmm. Make another play. And it's kind of his – it's kind of his mindset. And, you know, look, these next couple of weeks are – I'll be going to be pretty nerve-wracking for Ole Miss people um, because, I mean, I everything points towards him being, at, at the very minimum, the fan favorite over there. And I think, think Ole Miss is being proactive about um, keeping him and retaining him and putting together a package that makes him attractive. I think people around him want to stay here. Um, I think that uh, deep down, that's not a job that he wants. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do anticipate some tense moments in a couple of weeks. And I think that was part of today, too. You know, I, I, I think he would have loved nothing more than to get this team to the SEC championship game and take the, take the attention off of that crap. Because that crap's going to start to pop up now that Ole Miss is playing from a championship perspective in consequential yeah. games. Yeah, now it's the Citrus Bowl probably for the Rebels if they uh if yeah, they went out. If you go ten and two yeah, if you go ten and two you go to the Citrus Bowl, which at the beginning of the season if you told anybody, hey ten and two in the Citrus Bowl, take it, I think people would have jumped at it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the fact that the program's getting to a place where people wouldn't jump at it, I think tells you a whole lot about just how good of a job he's done. Yeah. No, they were a good football team today. They just didn't win a game. It wasn't about blowouts. It wasn't about anything else. They they caught some really bad breaks, and they didn't win a football game. I guess a really talented program and team, and I guess the quarterback that I told Jeffrey, by God, without him, and they're at least six and four right now. So. He is um, he is one of the best college football players I've ever seen. He is special. He makes plays. He made four plays today that I thought were game changers for them that without those plays, they have no chance. Yeah. And if you take him off the field and put an average quarterback on the field, they are they're a five-loss team. Yeah, I think you're uh, I think you're right. So, Anyway, all right, we'll talk Monday. Appreciate it. Okay, see you soon. Who's on the line? Uh, this is Jeb Tab from Cockwood, Georgia. How you doing tonight, Jake? Good, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm watching the uh, Bulldogs versus the Bulldogs, and Mr. Uh, McCockiner just scored a touchdown. And, uh, man, it's looking rough. What y'all got going on over there? Yeah, 24-12, Georgia over Mississippi State at the moment. Georgia's man, got it. Uh, yeah, something about wide receivers. We just we catch a lot of things, either STDs or – We're going to go ahead and cut that one off. Um, I thought that was coming there for a second, and then, uh, yeah, just kept on going. Okay. 
appreciate Neil for his time there uh, on that one. Getting the phone line up. I'll, uh, nobody's calling in. I'll call Brian, check in with him in a second. He was at the game, stadium kind of stuff. But uh, I'll leave the number up for a minute if you want to take a few more calls instead for where I, uh, before I do that. Who's on the line? Hey, this is JD from Greenwood. What's up, JD? Hey, so you guys, are, you know, we talked about referees a little bit during the show, and, and that is what it is. But just to kind of put a point on it, there was a point in the game where Jackson Dart dropped back to throw a pass, in which case a defensive, uh, I guess, end or, or literally turned his head around where he is looking at the other end zone and then finished the play with his helmet in his hand and no flag left the pocket. Which, you know, I agree we scored on that route, but that still kind of makes you go, wow. No, that one, because there was not even like a mass of bodies. What I found so weird about that was it was open from all sides where everybody could kind of see it. It wasn't even hidden whatsoever. And it wasn't called. Yeah, right. kind of, I mean, Neil and I literally, when he's, as he said, we, we both had binoculars on it. <clears> and we just kind of looked at each other like, hold on a minute, there's no flag? What the hell? Right. Like, well, and, and and then given, you know, of course, you know, you, you make a bunch of other plays, that doesn't matter. I, I agree, but you're playing Alabama, man. Every play matters, and that was weird, you know what I mean? It didn't matter per se that drive, but it was an indicate what was to come later because there were several just non-calls, which is which is that much, much more frustrating because then you can't point at it because you can't say, hey, they made this bad call. No, no, a non-call is just non-existent, which is, you know, just extra frustrating to me, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's what you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's one of those deals where, yes, you need to be able to talk about other things, and you still could have won the game, and there's lots of other storylines. But if there's two or three calls that seriously change the game by 7 to 14 points, it can also be why you lost a freaking football game. It can absolutely be why you lost well, a football game. I mean, yeah. Well, that's right. And I guess it wasn't even so much that it was why you lost the football game. It was just, like I said, he ended the play yeah. with the quarterback helmet in his hand. That that is. It, do you need more evidence? I mean, like I don't even know how you how you. There is no more evidence than that. Yeah, I. I don't know, it was just fascinating. Yeah, I mean, definitely frustrating night. Definitely, uh, like I said, there was a couple calls that went one way, but there was t- probably ten that went the other way. No, I, well, I appreciate you taking my call, yeah. man. Thank you. Yeah, I was pretty quick on the draw there with ending that call. I was pretty proud of myself. I did a did a decent job with that. State has played okay tonight, it looks like. Again, Georgia 24, State 12. Yeah, it's just a it's just a weird conversation to have to kind of put a percentage on did you do enough to win? Did you not? I mean, all that kind of stuff. It's 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 Line. Hey, Chase, this is Austin from Pontotoc. Hey, Austin, what's up? Hey, man. So, uh, first off, just want to say thanks for all you and Chet and Neil do throughout the week. But uh, wish wish it was a little bit of a happier time. I just got a quick question. Uh, sorry, my voice kind of gone, obviously. But uh, so looking ahead a little bit, uh, depending on KJ's availability for Arkansas, do you think we can – 
do you think we can bounce back next week, or do you think we might be just a little sleepy after today? Just I know you guys are going to spend a week talking about it, but just kind of summarize it best you think just right now. What do you think? What do you, If you had to call next week, how would you call it? I think Ole Miss wins the game next week. I think Arkansas is probably a little sleepy, and I think Ole Miss is probably a little sleepy at the first. But that's what I found interesting about Lane is I want to know – I know I want to listen to his press conference. I haven't had a chance to because I've been talking to you guys. But Neil referencing there about telling the players or at least mentioning that the players will remember this forever because of the opportunity they had, that is a message that's a little different than typically what he does, which is one week, next week, move on day to day to where he messaging for him tomorrow and Monday is going to be pretty important with Ole Miss to to turn to keep something about you know what what what's what's at stake how to motivate them for what to play for all that kind of stuff because I mean that that is the negative when you have a championship mindset and your goal is to win the SEC West or make the playoff when those when those goals are gone it's what Alabama had to deal with this week a little bit that they never have to deal with is what are you kind of doing? What do you play for? Is it just being out there with each other? Is it this? Is it that? Or whatever? Ole Miss has got to kind of figure that out. Arkansas has been out of that so long that they're sort of just playing for senior night and KJ playing a team from right next to where he's from. You know what I mean? Like they've got some of those built-in things in it. Whereas Ole Miss, it's no, it's a complete. It, it, it shows you how far the culture has come because. Ole Miss's culture is winning a lot of football games and playing for titles and being in the race until the end of the season. And when that is removed, yeah, you, you're definitely going to have to kind of get up. But, no, I think, A, it's Arkansas. They know what that looked like last year. Um, and there's still a lot of goals. I mean, there is a hell of a difference in 10-2 and two and 9-3 and three to 8-4. and four. So it might take right. them a day or two, but I, my, my hunch is that Lane was more annoyed from a media perspective versus kind of what he told the team. I think if Lane has treated it the way he said he has treated it, they will be able to put it in the rearview mirror better than some teams will after that Alabama game. Well, you know, just pre- I appreciate that. Uh, I will admit, I know we're all a little bummed out today, but, you know, I really do think we played a pretty good football game. We just – we definitely missed out on some opportunities and – you know, I think we got a. I think we got a few things to learn this week because you definitely don't want this game to beat you twice. So, uh, yeah. hey, I appreciate you taking my call, man. You have a good rest of your show, and uh, sorry about your green wave there, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> they took it on to UCF sorry about today. That. Appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> man, have a good. Yeah, Plumley. Uh, Plumley had a big day. The uh, the Golden Knights got got Tulane today. I saw Tulane made a comeback. It was like thirty seven, thirty one, something like that. UCF on the uh, on the final on uh, on that one. Um, Daniel, I, I didn't. You know, I, I talked to some about this today. I, I don't think it was dirty. I mean, in some ways, it was respect. I, I think they had to. We're talking about the baseball documentary being at the beginning of it. I think they had to move the timeline. Um, I think they had to find a way to set up what it, what had going on. I, I thought it was a plot device. I'm going to talk. To a couple of people with that next week, just about how they put it together, some different things. We'll discuss it, but I, I, I didn't take it as a as a negative. I actually thought, in some ways, it was um, a compliment as far as we have voices that a lot of people know, and um, you know, use something that was substantial to set the time. I, don't, I I didn't take it as hey, you guys were wrong, as much as that actually was the situation that was that was going on at that time, and that's. That's what you know. That's where it was. I mean, Mike was going to be out of a job, and Ole Miss was uh, 
you know, not making the tournament. I mean, they got they did a ton with the luck, but they 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 needed the luck at that point. So no, it's all good. Is State getting screwed from officials? What's up? You were at the game today. Uh, Neil talked about it a little bit. I was there for a half, and, and and you were you were gone for a while, so you haven't necessarily watched this year over year over year every game. What was the environment like today, and was it as good as maybe you've seen in a long time? Yeah, I thought the crowd was great today. Uh, you know, the stadium seemed full from my vantage point, and it seemed like uh, a crowd that was kind of a waiting for a reason to erupt. And you kind of got close, I would say, at that point when Ole Miss got up 17-7. to 7. And then it felt like the rest of the game, you were kind of sitting on your hands and knees, um, kind of thinking about, like, are they actually going to pull this off? And there was never really that seminal moment after that. But from, like, a crowd and an environment standpoint, I thought, there at the end, how did how did the the crowd sort of just take you know last drive when it ends. I mean, just sort of deflated. I would assume because, like you said, it was it seemed like it was ready to absolutely bull over had 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 a ball been caught in the end zone at some point there in the last minute. It was in uh, Ricard or Richard, however that kicker's last name, him knocking that ball through. I thought it was a pretty seminal moment in that game because Ole Miss was having some struggles in the second half offensively, obviously to put it mildly. But I thought the fact that he kind of knocked that field goal through to make it to the point where Ole Miss had to score a touchdown to win the football game and keep that game going was a pretty big uh, – I thought that was pretty impactful. And then they get all the way down to, like, the, you know, whatever, the 15-yard line or what it was. And honestly, I thought after that first down where they wasted that first down and threw it away on the, you know, man-to-man coverage go route to whoever that was out there. I think it was Heath, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I think people probably got pretty, uh, I would say, pretty worried at that point because the way the offense was going, they weren't simply good enough to waste down after that. So I think there was probably some cautious optimism on that final drive, but I would say overall when Alabama took the lead in that football game, the environment in that crowd shifted for sure. You're sitting there, so and look, your vantage point is different than anybody else's. I mean, this is a hard thing because you're not, you're not, I'm not asking you to speak for – 65,000 people, but was it evident in the crowd as the game was going on, on the, the the poor officiating and the plays that likely could have turned the game? I mean, did you guys have any idea that, that Evans was targeted on the fumble? Um, Actually, so you mentioned the Evans fumble. So I was told, so I was actually going to ask you that, and this is part of going to the game and then blowing you up with annoying text as we're talking through this, but I, it's hard to see at the time. So Evans was actually targeted when he fumbled the football because I was told immediately after the fact when he did fumble that he was going to be out for the rest of the game due to a concussion, which obviously seems to be the case now. So you think he was targeted on the fumble. That's what it, the replay showed? It was complete textbook targeting, and it was the thing where we've been having this officiating conversation all night, and it's the most egregious because you went to replay, and in college football the rule to replay is you can replay all parts of the play once you go to replay. And they, even on replay, missed the targeting. So instead of Alabama ball at the 23, it's Ole Miss ball at the 40. 
first down with a minute and a half or whatever the hell it was to go. And they're at least going to oh, take a 10-point lead into the half, and it might be 13 or 17 at that point. Oh, I mean, you're exactly right with and, that. And, and that's very fascinating you miss Evans. That. I mean, I told Neil, if you don't target Evans, he's They're a contest. different offense without Evans. He's there late in the game when Judkins needs a blow. I mean, yeah, totally different. No, no, you're 100% right. I actually did not know that from watching it in the game in real time, and that was actually the way that play was going was toward the other end zone from where I was sitting in. But that's interesting you mentioned that. I would say to answer your general question about officiating, uh, yeah, I would say people are – a lot of F-bombs being thrown around there and then. Um, but it was largely toward the non-pass interference called early game. And then whoever caught that route over the middle when Ole Miss does get the first down, no targeting call there. I'm not a big, um, you know, officiating conspiracy theorist guy. But I would say if that was my first football game I ever watched and I understood the rules, I would think those people work for the mafia. I would just, I, I, it, 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 it seemed unfathomable to me that that could be the case and they could miss so many obvious calls. And that's really the, uh, the non-Evans call withstanding because, again, i got to be honest, I just didn't pick up on that in the moment uh, because it was harder to see. But I did think that was a seminal moment in that football game because you think about that. Ole Miss is up 70-7 to 7 at the time. There's two minutes when they started the drive. There's two minutes and 23 seconds left in the half. I, that's where I thought the game could get a little bit squirrely because when you're playing a good team like Alabama, you have to pretty much ensure in that moment that you're going to be up 10 points or, hey, you bust a big one or you have a good drive and you go up 17. But the fact that they that the way that turned out the way it did and they played that great half of football and they were only up 17 to 14, that was when I began to think this might not turn out well for them, if that makes any sense. They were up. By 10 points to keep the ball to get to the half up 10, and because of the targeting missed call and the two-for-one because of Alabama getting the ball, they were tied the next time they touched it. That is correct. And without their control, so Alabama scores the touchdown, and then they get the football after half. That's what I was trying to – I was talking to my dad uh, in the box we were sitting in, and I was like, hey, they, they could be down. Like, they played this great half of football. They could be losing this football game without ever the ball again. And I thought that's why that was such a kind of pivotal moment in that game. Um, and, and then you saw the other effects of it. I mean, I think there's proof in the pudding now. When they don't have Evans, they're not the same offense. And as great as Judkins is, and I know Kiffin, I saw, had a quote in the post game about a lot of the play calling was centered around the fact that Judkins was tired. As great as he is, they need Zach Evans. That's a five-star running back. That's a kid who, when he came out of high school, was one of those people. And I know you talk to the same type of people in the industry where it's like, that's the best running back I've ever seen. Like people said stuff you don't normally say about normal running backs. And he adds a different element, right? He allows them to stretch the edge more and run in space and go out and stretch defenses out. And I just think the proof is in the pudding now. As great as Judkins is, when they don't have Evans on the field, they're an entirely different offense. And I think that really affected them in the second half. Well, if you don't want a true freshman to play, I mean, hell, I'll look at the the, the plays later. It's not up yet. But, you know, we're talking, what, 70 plays for a running back, something like that? I mean, you know, Bentley can come in for a second, but, I mean, he's got no snaps of any real significance this season after the injury and then right now when he's technically active, but he's just not doing much. And then when Evan's out, too, I mean, that's the thing moving forward. They play a game in seven days where 
if this concussion is something that lingers on Zach Evans, what the hell does it look like around Judkins? Who else carries the ball? Who gives him a rest? Who plays? I mean, they're already short where they're essentially not playing tight ends. I mean, I know Casey Kelly played a little bit, but not much. Uh, it's it's they're starting to have depth issues just simply because of a couple spots here and there. I mean, it's still the one, you know, one of the weaknesses of the team as far as just trying to put that all together. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. I I, I agree with you. I think that it's a different game there at the end. If Evans is not, is, is still active. If he's still in at that point. Um, yeah, just three or four things that completely turn the game in, in, in one direction or the sure. other for, uh, for Ole Miss. So did you hear rumblings this week that uh, Trigg was going to play? Or is that just me? No, I, I got yeah. no, we a couple did. of things about that throughout the week, and he did not, right? I mean, my knowledge, I didn't seem like he played at all. He was dressed, but, but I don't hearing. recall ever actually seeing him in the game. Well, um, that might be the longest collarbone issue in history, but that's a story for another day. But my point being is, like, to your point, it's, it's, exactly, uh, it's exactly right. They're running into depth issues. Um, like, who do you play? Who do you go to? I mean, they're running kind of as an H-back sometimes at the time. They even lined up Jalen Robinson in kind of that H-back position a couple of times, just trying to get anything done offensively. And look, as bad as the officiating might have been, and it probably was, I thought the story of this game was the fact that, and Evans may have contributed to this, and the fact they didn't have a running game contribute to this. It seemed to me in live action, particularly in the second half, that every time Ole Miss needed to drop back to throw the football in an obvious passing down, that became a huge problem for them. Um, you know, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, that Alabama offensive line that it kind of seemingly to a degree underwhelmed to that point this year really kind of shined through what had been an, a shaky Ole Miss offensive line. And so, and a part, a part of me thinks that like that was part of what made the 30 to 24 field goal so impactful in that game was like, damn, they got to get into the end zone just to even have a chance to do this thing. That's what I thought kind of shown through in the second half was the fact that every time they had to drop back in an obvious passing down, it was a huge issue. Yeah. And then, you know, Judkins gets loose twice, once in the passing game, once in the run game. And I went, well, hell, they might actually do this. I mean, they got down there. And And then they waste the down on first down. And I don't know about you, but by the time they got to like second and 10, I was like, huh? I don't know about this. Like it, it didn't. It didn't seem. I, I did not seem confident they were going to score the football after that first down. Even after the big Judkins, I guess that was a run, and then him getting hit in the backfield on a yeah. yeah on a short pass play. Like, were you confident they were going to score after that? Because I wasn't. I'm sitting there <sighs> thinking, my God, how in the world are they going to get these last 15 yards? Well, I mean, we had a decent thing. Neil, Neil was talking about it on the podcast a minute ago that they they got crossed up on that first play. Lane thought they had a touchdown. But they misread which 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 way the the secondary was leaning, and it caused Heath to run a different route than Dart was throwing. That they actually had the play. Oh, scored. that's interesting. So he Tiffin thought they had a touchdown called. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. If Dart throws it back I mean, to the inside, I, it's probably a touchdown. And he throws it outside and it goes incomplete. And at that point, obviously, you're sitting there thinking, oh, man, this is tough. They got three plays to get 10 yards, and this has been a tough 10 yards to get. I'll throw one at you. What does this actually mean? Because I sat there and I went there to my, I sat there with my parents and they had a TV and like the little end zone thing. And then LSU wins that game where Arkansas just, I mean, Harold Perkins is just single handedly winning the West for LSU. But what do you think this game actually means? You know what I mean? Like in a, in a, 
certain point, and this is probably a conversation for a different day about the college football playoff and four teams, but there it was a world where Ole Miss wins this game and it actually doesn't mean a ton. Like, what do you think this loss and the impact of it actually kind of means for them? Well, I mean, look, tangibly, Ole Miss was probably not getting into the playoff at 11 and 1. A&M's probably right. not beating LSU, but no, staying relevant in a championship conversation matters. Ole Miss trying to win 11 regular season games for the first time in school history matters. I thought there was lots of things to try to get three more and to run the table and to elevate the program where, I mean, the day that Ole Miss, in, in a world where you go 11-1, and one, and I get they lost and this is irrelevant, but to, to answer your question, in a world where you go 11-1, and one, you're watching the freaking selection show and seeing if you're getting the four seed. I mean, you're you're, 100%. you're 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 in it. You're right there in all the rankings. You're you're in everything. You're pray, you know, you're you're going eleven and one, and then sitting down and praying to God that Jimbo Fisher and his island of misfit five star toys pulls off a game against LSU. I mean, you're there's a lots of stuff there in the in, in that situation, and also it gives you more motivation for next week and the week after. It builds on itself instead of having to create your own energy, as Neil said, and go to Fayetteville where it's cold and crappy and you're playing a team that's lost to Liberty at home, you're going in going, hey, guys, just keep winning. Just keep winning. Just keep winning. Give it a chance. You know what I mean? And oh, instead it's, and, it, and now it's, all it's that an adjustment now. Yeah, I mean, now you're trying to win to get to nine, trying to win to get to ten. And I mean, look, there's still stuff there. I mean, the Capital One Bowl, outside shot at an access bowl, I mean, there's stuff. But, no, it's, it's, it, it's a different level than – than, than that, uh, Mississippi State scores again, now 31-18, Georgia over Mississippi State, uh, 5-17 to go in the third quarter in that one. They're kicking the extra point now, so it'll be a 12-point game in uh, in Starkville here in a second for, uh, for that one. So, anyway. Uh, so, yep. No, no, I was just going to ask you. That's why I asked that question. I wasn't trying to insinuate, like, this game is meaningless, but it is kind of fascinating now. Like, how do you motivate them for these final two games? Like, what is the motivation? To go to 10-2? and Like, I mean, I get these guys love to play football, and they're going to do it every week, but it did seem like every single, like, you know, tangible ramification of of this season and then being a one-loss team at 8-1 and Entering the month of November, I mean, for the lack of a better phrase, that did go by the wayside today. Like, what, what, what do you think? Who do you think shows he, up? He in has the exact week? problem that he has been guarding against, which is don't make Alabama, don't let Alabama beat you twice, don't make it too big. Because look, Lane says all the right things, but he coaches where it's a bigger game. He mentions, you know, he, he again, you haven't heard this. Lane either told the media the players are going to remember this or he told the players they're going to remember this for the rest of their lives because of the opportunity that was there. Well, that's not the way to kind of move wow. on in the next 48 hours to, to, to get to Arkansas, you know? So, no, look, it's two teams that are both scuffling for motivation and what they're playing for. And for Ole Miss, it's just – I mean, you got to get the players to buy into this. But the truth is Ole Miss is still playing to just elevate its status, to, to – to build wins and seasons on top of one another. Because if Ole Miss can get to 10-2 and two, and Lane Kiffin pulled a genie out of his tail and win a bowl game in year one and goes 5-5 five and five with all that mess in 2020 and then goes 10-2, and 10-2, and two, you, you can kind of stop the build thing. I think two in a row like that is enough to elevate Ole Miss in the eyes of a lot of people. And look, coming full circle on a show tonight, 
Maybe it's even enough to move up in tier a little bit where you don't get screwed by the officials sometimes. I don't know. You're just supposed to win football no, games. There, there's a point where when you win enough, it's not cute. It's not this. It's not anything else. You're just an SEC football team that wins a lot of freaking football games. And I think that's what Ole Miss is playing oh, for. I, I think there's a huge difference in 8-4 and four to 10-2 and two and just sort of setting your spot on the national landscape moving forward. And the fact that I think they will probably have a pretty good football team in 2023. And I do believe from everything I've heard that Lane Kiffin believes that too. Um, I guess I'll just give you one final suggestion. Should they play our podcast? Because there was another program that won a national championship um, that drew from our podcast as motivation. Do you think that could work? I know that's a hard-hitting journalism question. Right, right before you got on the line, I was telling people that I didn't find it offensive. I actually found it as a compliment that they used our voices at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> but my favorite part of it is that the official side or the, the school uses it as a plot device that Mike Bianco gets into his car and turns on our podcast. Because I'm laughing so hard at the thought of him listening to these podcasts while he's driving to work in the morning. True or false, did he or did he not, once after he had been on your podcast, asked you if you had a podcast? That seems like he might have been a fool of it at that point. He, he, he has asked me, after I'd been doing a podcast for about a decade, something about whether or not I had a podcast. Yes, that is an accurate uh, summation there of that, of that conversation. But, yeah. I, I can just tell my mom we made a movie now, though. I'm a movie star. I starred in a film that debuted fall in 2022. Doesn't that sound awesome? You are. You were. You were in the first three minutes. I mean, right there at the beginning, it was. Uh, it was. It was ready to go. I mean, I, I said this the other day. It was kind of funny in the theater because I was. I watched it on the, at the premiere when they had people at, at Malco to, to watch it before it came out the next night. And as soon as our voices started, I felt like half the theater turned around and looked at me, and I just kind of like threw my hands up, like, "What? I went wrong." I mean, okay, sure, whatever. So it was. Uh, I mean, look, this Rubble Grove thing has been awesome, but you guys are going to have to speak to my agent to see if this continues. <laughs> hey, you know, you, you, you've got Laquan on the podcast. You're getting in with agents a little more now, and you got stuff going on. So, look, hey, it's a, it, it, it's a business, all right. It is what it is. So it's uh Oh, it's absolutely. Cool. My agent's Michael Porter. He's a real sob to deal with. You'll be hearing yeah. from them. Yeah, enjoyed it, bud. Appreciate it. Let's talk again. Absolutely, dude. Uh, Later. Brian Rippey there. Uh, he was at the game. So I just want to talk about atmosphere a little bit with uh, with him here. Um, yeah, we were the naysayers of the protagonist in the plot. We were. That was our, uh, that was our deal. Yeah, I, my guess is KJ Jefferson plays next week. I mean, I'm just guessing, but my, I, my my hunch is that he does play next week against Ole Miss. Georgia 31-19, uh, third quarter, two to go there. And then um, Texas A&M Auburn still going also. Numbers up. Any last call before we wrap this thing up? Auburn still up seven nothing, ten fifty two to go, third quarter in uh, in that one. Cadillac has been full of energy all night long. When I've had that up and watching some of that, Auburn trying to get the ball back now and uh, in that one. Yeah, Georgia traveled quite well to start both for this one. 
But I mean, you see that in road games when it's that one that alternate opponent or the the the, the alternating opponent. Because it's every 12 years. I mean, Georgia was here in 16. They're not scheduled to be back until 28. Now, this is obviously changing. We're going to go to this, you know, this different schedule, this 6-3 schedule that's going to have everybody everywhere over a four-year period. But it, it's a great change because you actually get to go play in Gainesville once every four years. It'll be Norman and Austin and whatever. I mean, yes, you lose Arkansas Ray and them every year, but it's a – it, it's by far a positive, uh, a, a positive change there. There's no doubt about that. So, uh, all right. I think we've covered most of it before we uh, wrap up. As you remember, we got this pre-cyber sale going with Dead Soxy. Do not forget that uh, 25% off with any order using the code Rebel Grove. You spend $50 or more, you get free shipping. 30% off of an order over 120. 40% off of an order over 240. So stock your sock drawers. Have a great holiday season. Stay soxy there with uh, Dead Soxy. But appreciate Neil. Appreciate uh, Jeffrey, Brian, and all you guys as well. Alabama beats Ole Miss 30-24 to today from Oxford, from Ball Hemingway Stadium. So uh, we'll do it again next week. Ole Miss and Arkansas from Fayetteville. It's going to be a night game. We don't know if it's 6 or 6.30 yet, but one or the other. So enjoy the rest of the games. We'll have podcasts for you all week long, and we will talk to you then. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com